0: Good to see you all here. I want to just echo my thanks to the worship team. I was reminded uh, when we were singing a handful of years ago, do you remember when the miners in Chile were trapped for 69 days? And um, I remember watching when the miners found out that they were about to be rescued, they began to sing they began to sing their national anthem and i remember sitting there watching tv with tears rolling down my cheeks because when they when they realized they were being set free their natural response was to sing their anthem and I couldn't help but think about that. When we were singing today, I'm so grateful for the hopeful songs that the worship team led us in. I just thought, man, thank you for leading us in these anthems of praise because of what God has done in our lives. So I want to honor you guys. I want to thank you guys for that. I want to uh, greet you all again. It's a joy, always a joy, to be back here at Rockville Assembly. I, um, I serve, as as uh, was said, I serve with Chi Alpha Campus Ministries. I know my good friend Blaine was here last week uh, speaking. I trust that was a blessing to you. Blaine is our director at American University Chi Alpha. I provide leadership for Chi Alpha from Virginia to Maine. I also uh, spend some time at Georgetown Medical School leading our ministry there. Starting tomorrow, school starts. Right. Right. I know. Thank you. Me, too. I'm like today. Someone asked me how my summer was. And I was like, well, today's my last day of summer. And she said, I hope it's a good one. I think it's this layover here. I hope it's a good one. I'm like, me, too. You know, because uh, tomorrow's school starts for us at Georgetown Med School. I'm going to have the opportunity to reach out to about 200 first-year med students. And then on Tuesday, we have our first Bible study meeting. And then over the next three or four weeks, we just have a rollout of more and more of our campuses around the region. And, And the thing is, I recognize that a lot of students are going to come to our university campuses just like I did, without a thought of God in their minds. But he's thinking about them the way he thought about me. And our desire in Kai Alpha is just to be there to show these students how good how good God is, and you guys are a part of that i've been i 've been honored to be your adopted missionary for about eleven years, and Pastor Stan um, is just so gracious to me to keep inviting me back, or he sometimes he 's not here he 's like well let 's see if she, <laughs> maybe she 'll mess it up, and i won 't be there to see so i think uh, i 'm actually grateful for his his willingness to uh, to let me be a part of this, so I, I want a just brief introduction. I have a couple of friends in the back. They're going to hate me for doing this, but just wave at, just wave at my friends. Say, Hi, there they are. A couple of my friends. I I, I think when when someone was talking about community, they're, they're going to get me for that later. <laughs> they um someone was talking about the value of community, and um, these two are very dear friends of mine. Who because because God gives us relationship as a gift. God gives us our relationships as a gift. These two have been a gift to me that have, has supported me. They've supported me, affirmed me, helped me walk close with Jesus. And I am just so thrilled that um, God puts us in a net like that and put me in a net with uh, these two uh, especially. So I encourage you guys to be a gift to one another. Be a gift to one another. Help one another grow closer to Christ. Help one another love well. I, um, I want to share a little bit of a story about another friend of mine. Um, I have a friend who we were honoring her about, about five years ago. I was at a national Chi Alpha conference. All Chi Alpha leaders from around the nation were meeting together, and um, we were honoring people for 30 years of service, and one of the people we were honoring was my friend, whose name is Joy. And as we were, we had an opportunity to, you know, share about her work, and um, she had an opportunity to share a few words with us. She said these words which which struck me, which entered my heart, as one author says, entered my heart and thrived there. Her words, she said this, she said, life is life, and God is God, and don't get the two confused, (laughs) Life is life and God is God. Now let me tell you a little bit about Joy. Joy, as I mentioned, uh, she is she was at the time 30 years as a leader in our ministry in Chi Alpha. She and her husband had raised up more people in ministry than we could ever count they had trained people for ministry they had met with students on a on a campus in Montana they had loved students through all kinds of uh, craziness and loved students through all kinds of healing and everything and they they would just raise up students and they would just send them off to whether it be into the into their professions as teachers or into being high alpha campus ministers or places around the world they just they just kept loving kids for 30 years they just kept loving kids Joy is one of those people that when she prays, I'm pretty sure that Jesus says, hold on, angels, Joy is praying. You know what I mean? You ever know people like that? Like, when Joy prayed, I am confident that Jesus listened. I am confident that angels stopped what they were doing. We're like, oh, hold on, you guys don't want to miss this. You know what I mean? She just walked so closely with Jesus. She is just a delightful woman. She is one of those people that listens to, to God so closely that when, when she speaks, her words are not fluff. When she speaks, you know that she's heard something from heaven. Joy wrote um, some of our mentoring material, and she wrote a couple hundred-page book that we've all used to help walk students in their spiritual formation. She is just an extraordinary, extraordinary woman. There's one other thing about Joy that I, is that adds to this story. Uh, Joy lives her life from a wheelchair. When she was somewhere around 30 years of age, she was... Um, she was pulling out of a grocery store parking lot, and a young man who was driving 50 in a 25 mile per hour zone hit her, and Joy is now paralyzed from her chest down. Uh, she has limited use of her arms. In fact, when she wrote her book, I, I wish I had the picture, I couldn't, I couldn't track it down. I've seen it, but I didn't have it. She literally put pencils in braces in her arms and tapped out, letter by letter, hundreds of pages for her book that we all use. Joy is an extraordinary, extraordinary woman living her life. At the time of her accident, her son was four years old. Her daughter was one. She wrote this book, as I said, tapped out letter by letter. This young woman who's here with her, Joy's in the chair. This young young woman with her uh, was quoted as saying, I asked God to bring me joy this summer. I guess he took me literally. (laughs) When Joy says, life is life and God is God, don't get the two confused, Joy speaks with an authority in her voice. She spoke that night at this this time when when we honored her 30 years, she spoke of the joy of walking with Jesus, even from her wheelchair. She absolutely speaks her words with authority, and generations of students have learned what it means to walk closely with Jesus through joy's life. Now, those words have been ringing in my ears uh, past several months, a little bit more than, than normal. Life is life and God is God. Don't get the two confused. Have you ever been in a season where things just seem really messy? Have you ever been in a season where you're just going, how did I get here? What in the world? The last few months have been like that for me, and joy's words keep echoing in my mind. Life is life, God is God. Don't get the two confused. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because this this for me is a truth that aligns me when I start to veer off. Anybody ever veered off a little bit? (laughs) Some of you, your face is like, yep, even today, you know. This truth is something that aligns me. It helps me feel at peace even when my circumstances are far less than peaceful. This truth, to be honest, it settles me when I watch the news. I don't know if you guys ever watch the news and you're just like, I remember turning on the news one time here and like the first seven stories were stories of death and murder. And I said, God, it's it's painful to watch the news. With this truth in mind, I'm a lot less likely to accuse God of neglecting my needs. I'm a lot less likely to say, God, where are you in the midst of some difficult circumstances? And I want to take a look at the life of an old friend. We're going to look at um, a familiar friend in Scripture that some of you guys may be familiar with. I, I know that maybe not everybody is, and so I want to tell a little bit of his story just to make sure we're all journeying this together. We're going to look at um, a passage in Genesis, uh, the, the familiar friend, one of the fathers of our faith, a man named Joseph. And uh, so if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to Genesis 39. If you don't, I believe we're going to put the verses on the screen. Um, so we'll, we'll follow along. Let me do this. Let me pray one more time just as we get into the scriptures and uh, ask God to break open his word as he breaks open our hearts. God, we trust you this morning to teach us and guide us and lead us with your wisdom and your counsel. Lord, we pray that we would find ourselves in your word and you would find your word deep in us. We pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Back to Genesis. As I said, this is the story of a familiar friend, one of the fathers of our faith. Joseph, um, before we get to chapter 39, I need to lay out a little bit of his story. He is the favored son of a, of a man named Jacob. He is favored for a couple reasons, but basically, I don't know if you've ever had a favored child in the family and you're like, you know, kind of like, hey, what's up with that? Joseph's brothers were kind of like, hey, what's up with that? Why is he the favored one? He was favored by his father, despised by his brothers. Joseph, in his youth, was a little arrogant and a little unwise in some of his words to his brothers. He was kind of like, hey, guess what? One day you guys are going to be my servants, and, you know, that's not the smartest thing. You ever said something and wish you took it back, you know? He he had one of those moments. So his brothers, they allowed their bitterness toward Joseph to uh, overtake them to the point of violence. They said, you know what, here's what we're going to do to that that dreamer, that one who thinks that he's going to be better than us. Let's kill him. Now, I, that's, that's a pretty big jump, to be honest. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, that's a huge jump. And they went there. They said, let's kill him. And there was one brother who said, you know what, let's not kill him. You know, let's just, maybe we'll just throw him in a, in a, in a pit or something like that. And so that's, in essence, what they did. They threw Joseph into kind of this, this, this cistern and then decided to sell him into slavery. Now where we pick up the story is where Joseph has been sold into slavery. And um, we're going to read parts of chapter 39. I'm going to start with verse 1. And so if you guys could follow along or listen along. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt when he was sold into slavery. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. It says, The Lord favored. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord gave him success. Joseph found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. If you read through the next part of this chapter, we're we're not going to read it all, but just as an explanation, this man who uh, Joseph served, the wife of this man thought, looked at Joseph, this this young good-looking man, and wanted to do something inappropriate with Joseph and wanted him to come sleep with her. And Joseph was much too much of a man of integrity, even at a young age, and he said, "There's no way I'm going to sleep with you. You you're the wife of my of my master, and I wouldn't I wouldn't sin against God that way anyway. It's not even that I'm going to I don't want to sin against my 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 boss, I don't want to sin against God. She then accuses him of trying to rape her, which is just like, I I don't know if you've ever been accused of something you haven't done, but it just, it burns, doesn't it? It just hurts when you've been accused of something. Joseph is not believed, so he gets thrown into prison. And then look at verse 20. We're going to follow along this. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who held, all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I read this passage, and I, it's just all over. The Lord had favor for Joseph. The Lord was with him. The Lord gave him success. I typically want the favor of God in favorable circumstances. Am I alone in that, or is there uh, maybe one or two people in the house where you're like, I really like the favorable circumstances. I like when things are easy. I like when there's not a water leak in my apartment. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I like it when things are. Smooth. I like it when there's no roaches. I like it when, you know, I mean, like things like, I just like the favorable. I like it when everybody likes me. I like it when everybody's happy with me. I like it when everybody thinks, oh, she's really great. <laughs> you know? And I, I just, I, I like those moments. And I, I look at this here, though, and I hold my life up to, to the word and I think, hmm, the Lord favored Joseph in prison. The Lord gave Joseph success in prison. The Lord was near Joseph in prison. The Lord was with him, gave him favor and success in Potiphar's house. Accusation comes. The Lord was with him, gave him favor, gave him success in prison. Joseph has gone from being at home and being beloved to being thrown into a pit, to being, thr- you know, sold into slavery, to being then affirmed and respected, to being accused and betrayed being thrown back into prison. And let's be honest, the prison that they had is not like prison today. There was no cable TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I mean, there's no comforts there. We're talking about a dungeon. We're talking about cold, dark, damp, diseased place where he found God. The Lord gave him favor and was with him. Joseph had this difficult time. I mean, mine is not exactly the same. Yours may not be the same. But, friend, have you ever been accused of something? Have you ever had things just seem to, like, again, fall apart? Like, how did I get here? Have you ever wondered, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? Did I, God, did I, did I sin? Did I, how did I get here? Have you ever had perhaps a difficult boss at work? (laughs) How did I get this one? (laughs) Have you ever been in that place that was so uncomfortable, so not what you wanted, seemingly so unfavorable? And still found the favor of God. Here he is. There's Joseph. Favored. God was near him. He was successful. In very unfavorable circumstances. you guys friends? I think, you know, if the Lord is with me, then all will go well. I think it's all too often what I get get caught up in. That all will go well. Like it's just going to be easy. But here he is in servitude and in prison. And I just want to ask you for a moment, what challenges are you facing today? May not be a pit, may not be a difficult boss, but what challenges are you facing today? And can you still see the favor of God in your life? Can you still experience the nearness of God? Can you still see God as seeing seeing you as successful as you walk closely with him, even in those circumstances? I get a little bit concerned about some of the messages of success that we hear in the church. You know, it's, you know, the, the latest book of three quick and easy ways to have a happy Christian perfect life. And I just don't find that in Scripture, you know, that if you're successful, then you're going to do a church plant that's going to blow up to 1,500 people by next week. And, you know, boy, it's always that easy. And I, I just don't see that in Scripture. I mean, it's great if it happens, but I, I just I, I worry sometimes that we view, our, we view our measure of success and favor by things that we're told, that that maybe aren't scripturally founded. Does that make sense? Because anybody looking at Joseph's life would have to be like, oh, dude, that is not the example of success that I want. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we we see all these people, and it's like, oh, that's great. I'll follow that guy, or I'll follow that leader, and I would not want to follow Joseph into the pit. But that is exactly where Joseph found God. That is exactly where he felt the favor of God. What challenges are we facing today? And do do the challenges we face make us assume that God is far instead of near us? Instead of favoring, offering us the favor of God because of Jesus? When I look at Joseph, I don't look at somebody who's like, man, I don't know. What did I do wrong? What? Oh, I'm, why did, God, why did you do this to me? I don't, I don't see somebody also who's in denial. Like, I'm not in a pit. I'm not in prison. You know what I mean? How many of you guys know people like that? You know, like, you know, they're in the midst of this. They're like, no, I'm fine. Praise the Lord. You know, and I'm like, well, actually, you're in a really hard time. And I'd love to pray for you if you were honest about it, you know. I don't see Joseph denying the reality. I also don't see him getting bitter. I don't see him striking out in bitterness. I don't see him getting bitter toward God. I don't see him, again, wondering, man, how did, I, how did I blow it? What got me here? I do see the nearness of God in a very dark, painful situation. And I think we often struggle to merge the two. I, I will say, I, I can't remember all the words of the first song we sang, but when we were singing it, I thought, there it is that was it, it, maybe we can go back and sing that at the end or something but it was something along the lines of what god is doing in what god has done for me in the midst of my weakness in the midst of my difficulties when we were singing it i was like that's the message right there we could just end we could sing the song and go home you know that was the message right there i was so encouraged because so often we do struggle to merge the two that somehow if i'm in a difficult situation god is displeased with me versus god is near I know I am challenged often to rest in God in the midst of difficult trials i um and it 's hard as we try to merge the idea that god god 's favors on my life because of what jesus did, and i 'm still in the midst of this difficulty. A few years ago, I was listening um, I was at a conference, and the pastor and author Rick Warren, some of you guys may know him from his book the purpose-driven life, I heard him speaking, and he said, he said, you know, a lot of times people think that life is filled with peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, and he said, you know, they think like, okay, well, I'm in this valley, and then, you know, one day co- will come the peak, and then, okay, there's another valley. He said, I don't find life like that at all, at really th- that much at all. He said, I think that it's almost like two tracks going at one time, and a lot of times in life there's something good going on in our lives, and there's something troublesome going on in our lives. He said it's really more like two tracks, he said, and part of it is just learning how to manage those two. He said at the time when my book was taking off and it was kind of like heightening the success of my book, starting to sell millions of copies, he said that's when we found out that my wife Kay had breast cancer. He said I had these two tracks going on in my life. The reality of those two tracks of something extraordinary. Man, his book, I mean, I think his book sold something like 30 million copies. Like, unbelievable. I mean, an extraordinary amount of money came in, by which, through which he paid back the church that had been salarying him for like 25 years. He paid them back for everything, and then gave away more and said, we're just going to drive a very simple car. They, didn't des- they decided not to live an extravagant life with millions and millions of do- dollars coming in. He said, at the same time that was happening, my wife was walking through breast cancer. Do you find that sometimes things are like that for your world? I mean, maybe, perhaps not that extreme. Maybe you didn't get millions and millions of dollars. (laughs) But very often, two tracks that go through. I know that's very much the, the experience I've had in my own life. A few years ago, I was going through a really wonderful process, a spiritual formation process, which was formative for me at the same time I was grieving a broken relationship. And I remember I was meeting with a lady every week uh, as a spiritual director to process what God was doing in my life. And she said, you have these two very powerful things happening in your life at the same time. And I was like, "That's, that's what happens. That's a lot of times what happens in life. In April, I finished a grad school program that I had been dreaming about since I was 10 years old. I, uh, I was a bit of a nerd <laughs> when I was 10. I, at 10 years old, I was like, I'm going to grad school, you know. And um, I, it took me about 30 years to start it and about five more years to finish it. And um, you guys can do the math. And, um, <laughs> and I, I turned in. I, I worked so hard on this program and fulfilled a dream uh, on April 12th when I turned in. I pressed submit on my final project for this program I'd been working on uh, for so long. When I turned in my my program, it was two days after my dad passed um, away and um, I was trying to navigate the emotions that came with the joy and elation of finishing a lifelong dream and the grief of losing my dad that 's real life there it is guys that's that's real life and this is the kind of thing we see in joseph 's life i 'm sure if we shared with each other what 's in our journals or in our smartphones, we'd see a lot of the same thing. That's real life. Managing these two realities. Joseph could still find peace managing these two realities. And I, I am convinced, friends, this is an important example as we, as God's people live this out in front of the world. Because we are not the only ones who are managing, you know, uh, joys and trials at the same time. This is the, this is the stuff of life. And what, what a picture of God's grace and peace we could be for the world. That for our neighbors and our co-workers that as you're managing life that sometimes is good and bad at the same time, there is a God who gives us peace. We can know the favor and the nearness of God through all of this. If we fast forward a little bit through Joseph's story, we see um, the next chapter. We're, we're not going to read it, but two of the king's servants Uh, have dreams. They're also in prison, and Joseph has the ability to interpret dreams. For one of the servants, the cupbearer, to the king, he says, I've got good news for you. Uh, You're going to be released soon. For the baker, he's like, my news for you is not so good. You're actually going to be... you know, you're going to die before you get out of here. Uh, not great news there. And what Joseph interpreted is exactly what happened, that the one, one man died before he was released and the other was released. And when one was released, Joseph said to him, please don't forget me. Please go tell the king that I've been wrongly accused. Please tell the king that I should be set free. And sadly, that, that man did not do that. He forgot Joseph. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if you really literally forgot how do you how do you forget that you you know you left somebody in prison uh but joseph ended up being in prison for two more years now when we read that in scripture at least when i read that in scripture i pass by it and i'm like okay then joseph was in prison for two more years and i pass by it really quickly today's august 9th 2015 what if you went into prison today for two years Day after day. This is not just like read it by in a half a second in scripture. This is two years of his life. Being in prison because someone neglected him again. Someone forgot him. Someone neglected to keep his word. Fast forward a little bit more. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has a dream, and that guy, the cupbearer, was like, oh, yeah, there was this guy who interpreted my dream, right? How does he, I'm like, how does he, all of a sudden, you know, oops, there was this guy. Can you imagine feeling, you know, sorry, you know, I mean, you know, hey, Joseph, sorry I left you there for two years. But Joseph comes and interprets the dream of the king, of, of Pharaoh. Out of that, he is released, because once again, God has gifted him with the ability to interpret the dream. He's released and empowered to be basically second in command over all of Egypt, and here's where I want to, to, to land here for just a couple more minutes. He's released. He's empowered. He gets married. I mean, all in all, a good deal. It's like a trifecta of goodness right there. And he has two sons. If you have a Bible or a smartphone, look with me for just for a moment. Genesis chapter 41. I want to look at verses 51 and 52. I think this is, really, this is a really cool thing that we see here. It says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. His first son, Manasseh, God has made me forget. His second son, doubly fruitful. He said, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now, I just want to unpack those two for just a moment before we wrap up this morning. I think it's so interesting because I can't imagine. Remember, we said, I don't think Joseph was a a guy who lived in a lot of denial. I don't think he was sitting there saying, oops, I forgot all my trouble. You know, like, oh, I forgot I was in prison. I forgot my brother betrayed me. I wonder, though, if that word doesn't mean neglected, that he made a choice. Not to let the pain of his past inform his present and his future. And I, I, think, I think that's really the case. I, I looked up that word that it says that he made me forget. It means to fail to hold in mind. The Hebrew definition of that. To fail to hold in mind. He forgot. He failed to hold that in his mind. Was he because he was in denial? I don't think so. I think he wanted to make sure that this thing did not taint his future. This word is used often um, when it comes to the people of God failing to keep the covenant, covenant or failing to keep the law of the Lord. They failed to hold it in mind. Joseph failed to hold in mind the constant hurt that he experienced. Now, again, I, I don't think it's a denial thing. I don't think he was just forgetting. And I'm not the person who's coming in and saying, if someone's really hurt you, then just, you know, quick, move on. I think we've got to work through our stuff. But I wonder, I would love to know how Joseph worked through that in the, in the prison. What was Joseph's prayer life like in prison? What was Joseph's, what, what kind of internal work did Joseph do that he could then go to the place in his life and say, you know what, I, will, I make a choice to neglect the power of that pain over my future. What did he do to get there? Because whatever he did, man, I think we need some of that. I think we need some of that in our world. I think we need some. Of that. I know I need some of that. He failed to hold in mind the pain of his past. And I just i am curious. Man, that must have taken a lot of courage. Must have taken a lot of courage. There's an author, Alicia Britt Scholey, who says, Lies cannot heal. Reality is a friend of intimacy with God. Lies cannot heal. I don't think Joseph was just telling himself lies. Oh, I forgot. Doesn't bother me. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt that my brother's. Did what they did. It didn't hurt that the cupbearer forgot me. It didn't hurt that Potiphar's wife accused me. I, I think lies, is my fr- as my, that author said, lies cannot heal. Reality is a friend of intimacy with God. But he, he, he didn't deny the presence of the pain. He just denied its ability to lead him. He denied its ability to inform his future. And somewhere there appears that he made a choice. And I would pray that God would give us the same courage to make those choices as well. So that was his first son, Manasseh. The Lord made me forget. His next son means doubly fruitful or twice fruitful. To some level, it's a very practical name because it was his second son. God gave him, you know, a second child. He was doubly fruitful. But he said, because God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And I just wonder if Joseph wasn't more fruitful because of what he walked through. I wonder if you aren't more fruitful because of what you've walked through. If some of the pain, some of the challenges, some of the struggle hasn't made you more fruitful, hasn't made you stronger in character. I wonder if it hasn't made you a more perfect, a more beautiful picture of God's love and grace because of what you've walked through. Some of you guys have walked through things I'll never know. God has seen it, and he... I think he delights in making us doubly fruitful. I really do. I think it's, it's interesting that Joseph's sons will carry these names for the rest of their life. What a testimony. What a testimony. Every time he calls them, he's reminding them what God did in his life. Every time he calls his sons, he's reminding himself what God has done in his life. I mean, how beautiful that he could offer that to his children. It's almost like he was saying, look, I I just want you to know, I want you to know God met me in the worst place possible. I want you to know that God met me and I still got through it because God is good. And it's like every time, come here, Manasseh. You know, I mean, it's like, just think about it a little bit. Every time he would say his son's name, somehow one more time his son was reminded, God was good to my dad. Every time he would say his other son's name, he would, maybe there was something in there for his, his second son. God made my dad fruitful in the land of his suffering. God will also make me fruitful someday if I ever suffer. The same God who met my dad will meet me. What a testimony of faith for the next generation. Oh my goodness. Names mean something. My sister's name is Sarah, which means princess. Totally right on. <laughs> she is a princess. My name is Stephanie, which means crowned one, which is lovely, but it's not the kind of crown that you're born with. It's the kind of crown that you earn when you run the race. You have to, you have to run the race and win it. Then you get the crown. So I always said I had to work for my crown. My sister was born with hers, you know, and uh, names mean something. I don't think there's any, any mistake as to why Joseph named his sons what he did. I think it's valuable for our children, both natural and spiritual, to know what God has done in our lives. Years ago, I remember meeting with a young woman, a student, and she said, Stephanie, I'm really struggling with something, but I don't want to tell you because you never struggle with anything. And I thought, dear God, what am I presenting? What am I showing her about the reality of walking with Christ? I think it's valuable for the next generation to see what we've walked through and where we can offer it to them, not in, gosh, isn't this terrible, look at this, but but honest with hope. And I think that's going to draw a lot of people to the goodness of God when they know that there's honesty with hope in the church. I, I absolutely think that people will love, they will just see that <laughs> they aren't in this thing alone, that they're not in this thing alone. Two final thoughts, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. How do we live this out? My friend Joy said... Life is life and God is God. Good idea not to get the two confused. I would add to that, God is God and people are people. (laughs) Let's not get those confused either. God is God and people are people. Joseph had favor for a while and then it was gone. And then he had favor again and then it was gone. And then someone was happy with him and then they weren't. And then he was, you know, empowered, and then he was in prison. I mean, it was up and down and up and down. He was remembered, and then he was forgotten. I mean, if, if if Joseph's emotional state was based on the opinions of people, he would be a hot mess. You know what I mean? Like, he would be... Sorry. That's what the kids say, right? Or At least they used to. I don't know if they still do. You know, I mean, if if, if his... If his opinion of himself was based on what everybody else said, he'd be up, he'd be down. I'm I'm remembered, I'm forgotten, I'm empowered, I'm not, you know. I mean, God is God and people are people. Let's not get the two of them confused. Even when he had no favor by any person, the word tells us that God favored him. The favor of God was on him, even when that was never reflected through any person. The Lord was near him. The Lord gave him favor I just just have to ask, do you find yourself so concerned about the opinions of people that you cannot rest in God? And if that is something that kind of rang true as you answered that, can I encourage you to spend some time with Jesus on that one? And I encourage you to spend some time because people will like us one day and not like us the next. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or we'll be, you know, we'll have pleased our boss one day. And then, oh, we didn't please our boss the next day. And it's up and up and down, up and down. But God's favor is consistent on us because of what Jesus did for us. That's a good news, man. So, I mean, I like it. Like I said, I like it when people are pleased with me. But if they're not, you know, I still need to know that God, God is near. God is near. And I've got the favor of God. So God is God, people are people, don't get the two confused. And then, as I said, Joseph's sons would always remember what God had done in their life because of their names. I, can I encourage you as a, as a church body to live honestly with hope before the next generation? We've got, we've got the, the students I work with are asking very deep, rich, very powerful questions about pain and suffering and what's going on in the world and they it's not that my life is a perfect, you know, replica of what they see in other parts of the world but they want to know is this thing real? Is this thing real when you talk about faith? Is this thing real or is this just a little platitude you throw over something so that that way we can just kind of make ourselves feel better and move on? But the people in our lives, the next generation, our children, our natural children and our spiritual children, you know, the, the maybe the, the the youth in your church, they want to know that they can live honestly with hope. And they will see that reflected through your lives. Life is life. God is God. God is God. People are people. And let's live honestly with hope. I'm going to wrap up in prayer. I love it. I don't know if the full worship team is here or if there's someone who can uh, play quietly as we wrap up today. love to pray for you guys and maybe that the first song maybe